Bom dia. Que a paz de Cristo habite plenamente nos nossos corações esta manhã. That's all the Portuguese you'll hear from me today. From now on I will do my imitation of English. I hope it's all right with you. It's not perfect, but I hope the message will come across because it's a pleasure for me to be here. I'll be touring uh, the California now for three consecutive Sundays, um, talking about national ministry partners around the world. And so this is my first time. I'm still a little bit rusty, but I suppose that uh, we'll be able to communicate. Your church here, this one, is probably the church that I heard m most about in the last 20 years. Because one of my closest friends and ministry partners is a GBIM, American missionary in Portugal, Tim Hawkins. He was born to a family of this church, lived here until he was, until he was 15, and every time we talk about his faith and his roots, he talks about this church. So it's quite interesting for me that after 20 years of partnering, partnering in ministry with Tim, I'm able to come to his uh, home church, in a sense. So I'm really glad to be here. This is what God does, makes us, our lives go to places we never thought we would go to. I would like to say that it's not my purpose today to come and teach you. I come here as a brother who has been called, as you have been called, to follow Jesus. And I'm going to share from my heart the things that God is doing amongst us and my understanding of the times that we live in. But it's just a sharing. It's not a, a proper talk. It's uh, between brothers and sisters that we're uh, talking now. And the text that I would like to bring to your attention today is a text that you probably know by heart. But it's some of these texts that we know by heart. The more we come back to them, the more we go deeper, and the more we find things that probably we didn't notice before. This one comes from Jesus' words on the Sermon of the Mount in Matthew 6. And the moment I will start reading, you will recognize these um, words immediately. Matthew 6, 25. Jesus says these very famous known words. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds on the, of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more not worth much more than they. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet, I say to you, that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? 
or what we will wear for clothing. For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. So do not worry about your tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Incredible words. I've heard this so many times over 30 years, you know. I became a follower of Christ exactly 30 years to this year as an exchange student in Florida. I came to your country as a communist. I was a member of the Communist Party. I was active in revolutionary work in Portugal. And for reasons that only God can explain, I was given a scholarship to go anywhere in the world as an exchange student and learn intercultural dialogue. It happened that I landed in Florida in a Christian family home, and I spent a year with them. And I can tell you from my own experience that there are no philosophical, ideological arguments against the presence of Christ in the home. I could not debate that. I ended up giving my life to Christ, finding out that he was way over uh, my expectations of what humankind could be, that no revolution, no ideology would ever go as far as Christ did. I've been following him for 30 years. And it, what a ride it's been. So I've heard these words often. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not be preoccupied. Sorry to say, I often am worried and preoccupied about a number of things. Why do we worry? Well, for one thing, the days that we are living in are no... Um, they are not the kind of days that humankind has experienced before. We no longer can take anything for granted. The state of the world, the way that politics, economics, and anything else goes in the world, is going at a such um, speed of change and a magnitude of change that we have not observed before in humankind. It is hard for us sometimes to evaluate that because as we live, we keep reacting and sometimes we think about what's going on. But only in the future generations, with distance, they will be looking at our days and realize that these were incredibly difficult and challenging times. Through history, I mean, most of us have studied history at one point or another, we understand that we have periods. Uh, for instance, when we think about the history of Europe, we understand there was a period we call the classical period when Greek and Roman civilizations existed in Europe and they ruled. It is characterized by a number of characteristics that are completely different from the next period. We call the medieval ages. Sometimes people call them the dark ages. That period is completely different from the previous one. And then it ended with the Renaissance and the Reformation. And again, we have a new period in the history of Europe that is completely different from the two previous ones. So we understand, we understand that from generation to generation there is change. 
and we have experienced change from our parents' times, and we see already our children experience changing from our times. But sometimes in history, change is huge. And it, 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 we call these transitions from one period to the other. And most people are coming to the conclusion that we are going through a transition right now. Our generation, all of us, are going through a period of transition. So we don't really know exactly what's coming next. And it's very hard to describe what the future will be like. Anything can happen today. And we know that because of terrorism, and it will change our world tomorrow. The way we travel, the way we communicate, the way the state uh, tries to make us secure and brings in new regulations, the way that economics are affected, all of this can change overnight. It's very hard to point what kind of world we'll be living in in five years. Nothing is up for grabs any longer. It's, 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 um, we don't control it. So it, it's, it's not possible yet to describe what kind of world will be there if Christ doesn't come back in between, in the meantime. So it will be a new era, better or worse, we don't know, if Jesus doesn't come back in the meantime. We know that. Some of the things that we, we can identify already in this huge revolution that is taking place today as we speak there are some philosophers in Europe who have been thinking about this, and they say there's only one comparable period in the history of humankind to the one that we're living today, and that is the Neolithic. It's a period in the prehistorical days before writing was invented. That's when people stopped, stopped being nomads, and they started settling down, organizing their communities forming, you know, larger families, um, looking at the rhythms of, of, uh, of the weather, of the seasons, planting, knowing how to deal with the land, uh, domesticating animals, starting exchange relationships. That was a huge revolution, not just socially and economically, but in the minds of people. The human mind had to be ad adapted to this huge change. And that's what's happening today, they say. The magnitude of change that is happening to human consciousness is that big. It's only comparable to those very distant days. For instance, we know that we now live in a complete global, globalized economy. That something that happens in Japan, in the stock market today, will affect us here, will affect us in Europe, will affect us in Africa. The economy is more and more integrated. Something, something happens one side, it has immediate repercussions in the other side. We have been paying in Europe in the last couple of years from your subprime crisis here in the States, very heavily so. Our euro went down and the economies and the unemployment was immediately affected by the way that uh, your subprime uh, crisis happened here. And so we know that. Economic globalization. There are new powers emerging that we never thought about. They call it the BRIC countries. Have you heard about the BRIC countries? It's Brazil, Russia, India, and China. These are new players in the world scene, and they will play very big game. Uh, so it's no longer a question of U.S., some countries in Europe, and Japan. Then we have also the cybernetic revolution, the information age. We are bombarded second by second with information. And that affects us. Whether we, we, we process the information or not is, is shaping our minds. 
We are drinking information like we're drinking water from a fire hose. And we can't just process it, all of it. But it still affects us in many ways. And especially the younger people. They are connected to all, all these social networks. And not just the younger people. My mother, who's never had a computer before, is now addicted to Facebook. <laughs> and she's not the only one. She knows nothing about computers and she doesn't leave Facebook, ever. You know, playing these Farmville kind of things and... <laughs> oh, you, you, you know about it, I'm sorry. But what happens is that a new generation of people is living in this cloud of information, thick cloud of information. And the information is affecting them and most people don't even control any of this influence. So we are, um, well, we could go on with, you know more about this than I do. There's still a third element in this revolution that is happening in our days. It's called the genetic and biotechnologies. In, we are at the stage now where we could possibly start a second kind of humankind by playing with genes, biotechnology. And, and this is huge. And, and this, this is very, uh, this is a concern. We should all be worried about that. We don't know what people can do in labs away from the, 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 the let's see, the overseeing of, of, of laws and states. Then it's happening as we speak. And what could come out of that, you know, good things like uh, a cure for cancer and a number of other things, but it could also uh, create a, a different kinds of human beings that we, we don't want to go there. Uh, it's, it's just too uh, worrisome. And last but not least, and you would know that uh, a lot, is the atomic danger and terrorism. Even last night, as we spoke to our host, we know that possibly, uh, th you know, there are suitcases with atomic bombs going around the world, even in this country, that uh, are not controlled by the state. And uh, we know from the breaking down of the Soviet Union how all of those uh, atomic resources are now in the hands of who knows where, who. And the terrorists, we try to control them, but the way they play is unfair. So it's, it's, very, it's very hard to know what's, what's happening next. So should we be worried? On top of this, the world that we live in, because of communication, easy traveling and uh, internet, has become one true global village. Now, something happens in Haiti, and the whole world is observing minute by minute what happens in Haiti with the, the earthquake. And they want to send people in, they want to pray, they want to send money, they want to do a number of things everywhere in the world, not just in the U.S. It's like Haiti is our next, the neighbor next door. And every time something happens big, all of us know in detail. I mean, a few days ago, there was a small earthquake in New Zealand. Before it was in the news, my teenage daughter was asking us to pray because a girl was actually tweeting as the earthquake was going on. And she, in Portugal, she didn't know the girl, but another girl knew, and all the information was being spread immediately. And she was all concerned that this other girl was going through a problem in, with an earthquake in New Zealand, exactly the opposite nation in the world. What that does also is that we get in contact with people from different cultures, with different values. And all of a sudden, they are not distant, exotic. They are our next neighbor, next door neighbor. We have to live daily with diversity. And diversity is increasing by the day. And this is changing our reference points. 
We used to have traditions and routines, and we, knew, we, we used to know who was who, and we are losing contact with that little by little. Of course, we have plenty of entertainment, and we have drugs, and we can dip into ourselves into study and to work, and kind of forget a little bit about what's going on. But this is the kind of world we live in. Now, I'm not giving you bad news. The bad news are there already. What I'm saying is that Jesus is still saying, do not worry. Do you believe that? Can he tell us not to be worried about these things? How can we not be worried? Well, we, we know about the, the whole thing going on. It, it looks challenging, to say the least. What about our own personality, our own work? Because that's, in our own lives, that's where Jesus was speaking to in the first place. Do not worry about what you have to eat, about what you have to dress. Don't worry about these things, you know. But we know that even if we don't consider the world around us, our own heart is a battlefield for this worry. We do get worried about eating and drinking. We want to make sure that it won't, you know, we'll, we'll have enough for the rest of our life. If possible, more than enough so that we can really relax. If possible, more than enough and more than enough so that we can... And, and people get into lifestyles where they just crave for more and more and more. And of course, all the technology is providing us with more opportunities to spend more money all the time and just enjoy life and go to places. And so the money is not going to be enough ever. So people get worried. You know, what happens worldwide because of the integration of economies and all of that is that we are having huge problems with unemployment, like we've never had before as humankind. Spain, our, nest, uh, our neighbor uh, to Portugal, the country just next to us, has 20% of its population unemployed. Can you believe that one out of five people in each room would be unemployed here? One out of five in this room unemployed. And they are our siblings, they are family members and neighbors and friends and brothers. In, and they are unemployed. This is a huge problem. And in some countries, it's even bigger. So we, we know that we don't have a secure job any longer. Well, you've known that a little bit in the States. That's how you, you operate. But in Europe, people would have the same job for 30 years and retire. That's no longer the case for any young person. In fact, the highest unemployment rate is amongst the young people who have worked through university and have no job. So what should they do? Now, should, they, should we worry that we, we, we would have a job, that we can pay our mortgage, that we, we can get our kids through school? And yes, some people do have to worry, or do we? I mean, is Jesus still challenging us? Not, do not worry. Does he really mean that? Well, some people deal with this loss of reference points with this situation with their hearts in different ways. I mean, the most common in Europe that we see is that people say, let's eat and drink and be merry because tomorrow we'll die. So you say, what's number one problem in Europe? People live well. They've got everything that they need. They are covered by the state with their health needs and they don't need to worry about anything. But in a sense, they lack the most important thing in life. They don't have hope. Nothing to hope for. So that's number one problem in Europe. But if you go to other parts of the West, you'll find people also so worried about material things and security and, and about just um, making it to, to be someone. And for some people, to be someone is a lot of work. And many people are working hard. 
In other parts of the world, of course, in the developing world, they have the illusion of prosperity. Every single Chinese person, and they, you know, they are over one billion people, wants to be as affluent as all of you are. They want to have exactly the same kind of style you have in the, in the U.S. that we have in Europe. India is over one billion people. Every single Indian person wants to live like we do, have the cars that we have, travel as we do, have all the commodities and technology that we do. And they are in the illusion that they'll get there. They are working hard for that. But of course, there are still a huge part of humankind who just are on the border of survival. If they've got enough water to live by today, that would be a miracle. So people do worry. It seems that we are all, in one, one way or another, survivors. And survivors worry about surviving, about the next day. Even when we don't need to worry about that, we still keep that in our minds. So, how do we bring Jesus' words into this um, situation? How can we not worry? We know that worrying is not helping us. It gets us sick to start with. It gets us more distant from other people. It gets us into trouble. So worrying is actually, as, as Jesus said, it doesn't add one inch to our, to our height or one second to our lives. So we shouldn't know that, but, well, we still worry. But I think there's only one way that we can lose this preoccupation with life, with survival. We need a radical, radical solution. And that's exactly what Jesus is suggesting in this text. We need to go radical. He's suggesting nothing short of a coup d'etat. You know what is a coup d'etat? You know, a change of regime. In, in, in the U.S., you don't have a, that, thanks you know, you should thank God for that. But in many other countries of the world, you know, a general uh, politician will just come and illegally, not going through a democratic process, impose himself to rule a country and takes the previous regime out. It's still happening around the world in many countries. And Jesus is saying that we need a coup d'etat in our lives. We need a change of regime. We need to change who rules. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, what do you think it is seeking the kingdom of God? Now, the kingdom of God is not part of the United Nations. You know, it doesn't operate like the kingdoms of the world that we know. The kingdom is the reign of God in our lives. It's when God rules in our hearts. And Jesus says that, you know, he just pities when he looks at us and sees us worried. We are pitiful, worry, worrisome creatures. We, we, we worry, and, and, and we were not created to live under anxiety most of our lives. That's not what God created us for. Jesus doesn't, doesn't like to look at people and see that we're worried about simple things as about eating and, 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 and dressing and all that comes from that. No, no. He says, no. Instead of that, there is another solution. There is the solution. That let me reign in your hearts. Let me rule. Stop being your own ruler, your own captain. Let me captain you. Candace was sharing her testimony this morning as she was baptized. 
And she said, you know, getting Jesus into the driver's seat. Yeah, it's pretty much like that. But it's even more than that. He's actually handing over control of all of our lives. Not just where we go, but about our affections, about our ambitions, about everything in our life. We let Christ be at the center. See, I observe myself. Most of the time, when I make a decision, you know who is the, what is the criteria for my decisions? It's me. Is it convenient for me? Is it be good? Is it going to be good for me if I make this decision or that? Is, is that going to get me in a better state? Do I have time? Am I tired? Uh, should I keep some of my money? All of that has one criteria, me. Jesus says, well, take that aside, make a revolution, and let me get into that place of, and make the decisions here. Uh, this is very hard. And yet it is so liberating. And many of you know that. This is highly liberating. Jesus came to free us. And he has given us this important task and mission of freeing, getting people free. It should be one of the most uh, enjoyable, most uh, fulfilling tasks of any follower of Christ that is setting people free around him or around her. Free from this basic survival mentality that I am at the center and I need to keep myself there at all costs. We need to change government <laughs> if we haven't changed it. Although I should say as well that in my own experience, and you probably would agree with me, that this is not a change of government that we do once for all. Because Jesus said, if you want to follow me, then every day deny yourselves and pick up the cross and follow me. So in a sense, every morning when we get up, we need to make sure who's in charge. Every morning, we need to make sure who is in charge of our lives. Are we still going for the survival mode and controlling the whole thing? Or are we handing over the control of our lives, the reign? Are we getting the kingdom into my heart this, this day? That is a revolution we need to do every day. Now, it is interesting, interesting that Jesus says that he's um, given us some teachers. And all of you and me, uh, we, we like to listen to, to people who are intelligent, smart. Uh, some people are academics who have researched and done writing papers and books on interesting topics. In, in the U.S., you have pretty much the tradition of having speakers who go around the country to motivate people and give them information on a number of things. And sometimes you really pay a lot of money to these guys to come and give you counseling and, and, and consultancy and all of these things. Um, and, and we want to, to get good information, good influence from people who are highly knowledgeable and capable. And either it's a scholar or a good theologian to give me the proper perspective. Well, Jesus says, I've got two teachers for you, two speakers for you. Now, I, I'm going to give you people to help you alongside this, uh, this revolution. The birds will be your teachers. Now, if you need guidance, you look at the birds. Some people look at the birds and they say, well, they don't work. And they've got everything, so I can just... Well, I, I am a, an ecologist myself. I've been part of a Christian organization who looks after creation 
for uh, over 26 years now, and I can tell you that birds work a, a lot. Birds are always working, in a sense. Because whenever they, whenever they are just watching for their uh, children or looking for insects to eat or feeling the wind and where they should go, they are always ready. So it's not like they are lazy. Yet they do not worry. And that's what Jesus is pointing to us. If you're getting too worried, you just look at the birds. They, they are in God's hands. He looks after them. Will he not much more look after you, guys? So, yeah, look at the birds. And there's another teacher, the wildflowers. <laughs> they can be even more beautiful than Solomon at the peak of his, um, of his magnificency. Um, look at the flowers. They will teach you. Not many of you have flowers in your, your home. So let the flowers talk to you about not being worried. So then Jesus is pointing these, uh, these, uh, these um, teachers, these helping to us, but basically is asking us to not uh, be in charge, to let, seek first the kingdom of God. God will then take care of you. It's a question of faith. Do you believe that or not? You want to put it to test. You know, some of you have. And that's why you remain in the faith and you're growing. And we need to do that regularly. The more we worry, the more needs, reasons for anxiety that we'll get, the more we need to seek this government of Christ in our lives. Now, to complete this, uh, this sharing with you this morning, I want to say that um, this is what we're trying to do together. Me, I am a national ministry partner. I'm a Portuguese person who is working alongside American missionaries sent by your churches in the U.S., who are working with us in Portugal. We have two couples, the Hawkins couple that I mentioned before, and Sam and Tracy Schwartz, coming from California to serve with us. They've been over there now for 10 years. Very close friends, people that I take pride in being friends of, and pleasure as well, not just pride. Now, these guys were sent by you to help us get people free in Portugal, to help us start this revolution in people's hearts, in the Portuguese hearts. I am their partner. I'm a Portuguese. I'm their partner. I am supported partly by gifts from the U.S. Uh, and also from the work that I do in Portugal. But we are working alongside. In this global world, it's no longer like it used to be 20 years ago. You can't just send missionaries to do all the work. Now, the way things are working in Europe, and I don't have time to go into that in detail, is that it only works if the Americans will partner with Europeans and, and work side by side. That's what we do. We still need American missionaries in Europe, probably more than ever. Let me say, what you bring to us that Europeans do not have is hope. You have a strong, sometimes, let me say this with... Uh, uh, much appreciation, because I think it's a quality. You bring sometimes a naive faith. You do believe. And it, and it comes out in your communication, in your attitude. You know, that's shocking against Europeans who don't believe anything any longer. Very cynical. So if we are just a group of Europeans working without the American help, it, it, our, our meetings are very somber and we are always considering everything that goes wrong and very pessimistic. So we do need you guys to keep praying and sending your best people to work alongside us in Europe. But now, these days, they are not just working on their own. 
they are working more and more with nationals. And this is happening all over the world. In fact, if the world is coming to each other's doors, then, of course, we need to work more in partnership. That's why we have a growing number of national ministry partners from all over the world. I think the largest number of national ministry partners in the fellowship is in Africa and Asia. There are very few in Europe and some in Latin America. There are 80 families right now working alongside uh, American missionaries in this enterprise. And we are working together for the revolution to set people free. As the world moves on to be a place where we get to worry more and more, Jesus has provided his people to work together around the world to free people from this anxiety and to get God to rule their lives. That's what we're doing, working together. And this is the invitation that I bring to you, is that even though you're not going physically, most of you, that you will support your missionary uh, people that you send over around the world uh, by providing them with prayer and, and encouragement and, and, and donations, but also that you take uh, into consideration the national ministry partners. The way that uh, GBIM has proposed for this to work is that one day every year, called the Day of Generosity, the churches who are willing to do that will make a special collection to help the national ministry partners, just one day uh, every year. So if it's coming to your church, or if you want to know more about that, you should talk to your leadership. But this is what I am also asked to bring to you today, is that we are working more and more together in this. Let's say maybe the word has been tainted and has been polluted, but you know the expression freedom fighters. Well, American missionaries and uh, national ministry partners around the world are, in a way, freedom fight fighters. We are fighting for freedom in the hearts of people and for a new government. Let's hope that we can start at home, at our home, every morning to make the revolution and to support these people who are trying to make the revolution happen in, in all these places around the world. And I think I have concluded here my talk. I hope that um, we'll be willing to let this change happen in our lives daily, that we seek it, because otherwise we cannot be a sign of hope for anybody around us. May Jesus be with you every day and rule your lives as I ask him to rule my life too.